if we want to compete in this ever-changing economy, we need to have uh, the best educated and the most talented workforce that we can possibly attain. And to that end, the governor and business leaders have set a 60% uh, bachelor's degree attainment goal by 2030. So how are we doing when it comes to reaching that goal? It appears in some cases we're getting a little closer, but also the the path to get there seems to be getting steeper. And uh, we learned about this through the education and talent report that was generated by this, this kind of a, a very candid assessment that was generated by the Detroit Regional Chamber of Commerce and its president and CEO, Sandy Barua, joins us live uh, on JR Morning at uh, this morning. Sandy, good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you all. Let's let's start with the good news that our bachelor's degree attainment is up. So we're making some progress towards that goal. Yes, we are. Uh, you know, the 71 percent of the students in the region uh, uh, who have enrolled uh, are getting are getting degrees. Uh, that is the good news. I would say probably the best news uh, the Detroit Promise Program that is administered by the Detroit Regional Chamber for students in the city of Detroit, which provides them either a two-year or four-year pathway to a tuition-free collegiate experience. Of those students that go to college through the Detroit Promise Program are graduating at a rate higher than their national peers because these are primarily Black American students. And if you look at their graduation rate at 62%, Nationally, it's only 49%. So those are the two pieces of good news in the report. But I'm sorry to say, Guy, the good news ends there. Sandy, a bit of a mixed bag because post-secondary graduation rates show small increases over five years, but enrollment is declining. So you have gains here and some declines there. Yeah, Jamie, you're you're exactly right. So there is a there's only 39 percent of uh, of uh, people uh, matriculating from high school into something else uh, are that that are that are not uh, enrolling, and so that is just it, that continues that continues to drop. So we're seeing fewer and fewer people choosing. Uh, post high school to enroll in either a skilled trades program, a two-year collegiate, uh, a community college experience, or a four-year degree. The good news that Guy just mentioned is that once those who do decide to go are graduating at, at a higher rate. The sad part is, though, is that it appears based on that, Sandy, that fewer and fewer families see the value in a post-secondary education, in, in higher learning that they don't see the return on that investment, which is, as we all know, for so many families, a cripplingly high investment. And that's what we talked to university presidents during the college tour about. How do you prove that you sh- kids should come here? Yeah. So, you know, and we have other statewide polling that we do with the Glenn Garrett group that also shows that, that Michiganders um, are kind of sour on the four-year college experience because it is expensive. You know, what we would say to that is that there is a mountain of data that shows that, you know, if you have especially a bachelor's degree, your chances of being unemployed uh, throughout your career uh, is four times less 
than it than someone who doesn't have a bachelor's degree, no matter what the economic conditions are. If the economic conditions are lush or if they're poor, you just have a much, much better shot of not being unemployed. Secondly, your lifetime earnings are significantly higher. But most importantly, you know, the economy is changing so quickly that uh, experts say by the year 2027, which was like the day after tomorrow, 70% of all jobs are going to need a post-secondary credential, right. including a bachelor's degree. Which is, that's, this is this is the alarming part. A- another data point here, nearly half of the enrolled students, and again, that's a shrinking pie, but nearly half of the enrolled students have not earned a credential after six years. So even when they enroll, you've only got a 50-50 shot of them completing. Is that because they were poorly prepared by our K-12 through system or that they don't get the support once they do get into the system? It is a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, you you just mentioned a couple of them, Guy, uh, but also, you know, you know, financial stressors, as, as, right. as Jamie just mentioned, you know, it, people have to drop out for, for certain reasons. Uh, now, I will say this. It, it, historically, every time the job market gets really lush, uh, enrollment in post-secondary declines because people say, well, gee, the job market is really lush. The unemployment rate's really low. It's easy for me to get a good job. I'm going to forego any kind of college, and I'm going to go uh, go work. And that's certainly been happening over the last three years, right? The, you know, the unemployment rate's been low. There's been plenty of great jobs available. You know, wages are are, are, are rising. So some of this is a little bit predictable based on uh, the economy. Sandy, what about achieving 60% by 2030 and the return on investment there? It it mentions $42 billion. Seems like a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it it is a tremendous amount of money. So if you want to know what a region or a state per capita income is going to be, all you need to know is what their educational attainment is. It is a exactly linear bar starting from the lower left going straight up to the upper right that as you increase a region's uh, educational attainment your per capita income rises right along right along with it and if we were you know at like a competitive level with some of our national peers you know this regional economy would be 42 billion dollars richer than it is today well, one of the things that uh, that stands out here, and you talked about financial stressors, and indeed we, we know that students get into the system, maybe get two years under their belt and then have to quit because they run out of money. Uh, but how many students don't complete the FAFSA document, which can lead to financial support for them? In fact, they're leaving millions of dollars on the table. Yeah, and, you know, the the whole thought that is out there, and it's not just Michigan, it's across the country, where people are getting sour on the four-year collegiate experience is this cost issue. But for so many people, the cost is not nearly what they think it is. Yes, these, you know, uh, you know, prestigious universities, you know, the Ivy League and stuff like that, they cost, uh, you know, inordinate amounts of money uh, to, to go to. But even there, so many of their students are on very generous scholarships. When you look at here regionally, again, if you're, you know, I want to just stress this. If you live in the city of Detroit 
And if you go to school in the city of Detroit, you have a two-year or four-year collegiate experience paid for you, um, you know, through the Detroit Promise Program. Uh, and, you know, so for if you live in Detroit, it's free. But even if you don't live in Detroit, if you fill out the FAFSA, which is the federal financial aid form that you're referring to, uh, people are generally very surprised at how much federal money there is mm -hmm. to support someone's collegiate experience. It, we, we do know that there is a piece of legislation right. right now in Lansing that would mandate that you every student file a FAFSA or fill one out. It seems a little, uh, I guess, maybe overreaching to some but there would, if you get them to do it, they understand what the opportunities are. Right. What's out there? Yeah. And uh, actually, we're, we're very supportive of that. And it's really not a mandate. Uh, I mean, one, that's just that would be a little too big brotherish. Right? An encouragement. Uh, it, yeah, it, it, it really is kind of a, a, an opt in that it's going to be uh, the way we envision it. It would be offered and encouraged for every student, regardless if you're in an affluent district or not an affluent district, that you would uh, have that opportunity to fill out the FAFSA and you'd have support to do that. But if you didn't do it, it, it you know, you, you're, you're not going to get put in FAFSA jail, right? I mean, there's, <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're, we, we, we wouldn't be... Uh, if you filled out the FAFSA, it's a form of jail. I mean, it is, it yeah. is not, oh, it is not yeah, an right. easy... They made it easier, though, I guess, since yeah. I, I did it. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I think it's only like 45 pages as opposed to 445 <laughs> pages. And thank, so. thank goodness, and most of it's online now. Uh, Sandy, yeah, a really interesting report. We will um, we'll seize upon the progress that's made and also make a vow with these takeaways to do better in the years to come. Well, great to talk to you both, uh, Jamie. And uh, gosh, I just saw you the other night. Hey, it's thought. early. We got it. it. It it is it is early, and I appreciate that, Jamie. Well, anyway, great to be with you both. Take All care. right, take care, Sandy. Uh, time for IN Engineering, brought to you by Tajan Automotive Technologies, the formula for better mobility. We hear a lot about fuel cells that power vehicles by using hydrogen in a chemical process to produce electricity. But internal combustion engines fueled by direct injected hydrogen are showing promise for heavy duty applications. Direct injected hydrogen engines can retain the power density of diesel engines, which fuel cells and battery electric vehicles cannot. Cummins, for example, is partnering with Terex Advanced Mixer, Edge Materials, and PCC Hydrogen to test the diesel giant's X15H engine. While most hydrogen efforts are based on converted internal combustion engines, there is other new work going on. JCB, for instance, has a brand new design that it has been testing on heavy equipment and even a Mercedes Sprinter van. The SAE Media Group will be holding a webinar on hydrogen and heavy-duty vehicles in early 2023. For details, go to sae.org webcasts. For SAE International, I'm Chris Klontz, and that's an eye on engineering.